0: Welcome to the audio podcast of North River Church. You can find out more about North River and ways you can be involved at our website, gonorthriver.org. Join me once again in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, if you're one of our Iwana kids. We kicked off this series last week, walking through the book of Habakkuk, a four week series entitled Good God, Serious Questions That This Prophet Asks of the Lord and God's Response to Those Questions. So, this morning we're going to pick up where we left off last week in Habakkuk chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. I want to read the text for us this morning to catch us up to speed after that, and then we'll walk through these verses that we'll cover this morning. Look with me, beginning in chapter 1, verse 12 of Habakkuk. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like a crawling thing that has no ruler, He brings all of them up with a hook, he drags them out with his net, he gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations Forever, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. That you would open our hearts and our minds. That we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. Now, let's all be very transparent with one another this morning. That was some difficult scripture right there, right? A lot of things that are going on there, and if you're new this week, weren't here last week, I want to catch you up to speed and what's going on in the nation of Israel at this point in time. Judah, God's chosen people, are not living according to the promises that God has made. God, throughout the Old Testament, had told His people, if you will walk in obedience to Me, I will bless you, and I will use you to bless the nation's around you so that they would see that you are my people and their heart's desire is that they too would be my people. But we've noticed as we've walked through the Old Testament, as we look back through the scriptures, that God's people didn't always do that. They didn't always walk in obedience. In fact, their lives with the Lord were much like our lives seem to be at times with the Lord. Very big highs and very low lows and at this point in the nation of Israel it is a low low they have been walking in disobedience to the lord they'd not been following god's plan they had not been seeking to make an impact in the nations around them in fact they were being impacted by the nations around them they were chasing after false gods they were not worshiping the one true god and Habakkuk, who is a priest and prophet at this time, is looking, as we saw last week, asking the question, God, why would you allow this to continue? Why would you allow your people who have been called by your name, who are supposed to be walking in obedience to you, why would you allow them to continue not walking in obedience towards you without bringing some type of discipline in their lives. Now, there was a remnant that were following the Lord, but generally, God's people at this point were not walking in obedience to Him. And Habakkuk's heart is breaking. He is looking and saying, God, how could you allow that to continue? How could you allow the evil to oppress those who are righteous? How could you allow your judgment not to fall on them? In fact, Habakkuk was asking some pretty serious questions of God. First, he said, God, are you even listening? Are you even there? I've been crying out to you and I've heard no response. And then he asked the question, God, are you even good to allow things like this to continue to happen? To allow those who are less fortunate to be exploited by those who have everything? And then he goes even as far to say, God, are you even just? Your justice is not being shown. Now, those are some big accusations for Habakkuk to throw at the Lord. And we said last week, there are times in our lives where we feel that as well. We wonder that We wonder, is God listening? We wonder, is God good? We wonder, is God just? God, how could you allow all of these things to happen without responding to them? And we saw God's response to Habakkuk last week. And then God says, oh, there is something coming that you could not even imagine. My plan is at work. I am working behind the scenes. You may not see it, but you can trust that I am at work. And then, as we saw last week, he pulled the curtain back just a little bit. And he said, Habakkuk, I am bringing discipline on my people, and I'm going to do it at the hands of the Chaldeans, that wicked people. I told you this week that Habakkuk got the answer from the Lord, but it wasn't the answer that He wanted. Ever found yourself there hearing from the Lord? Maybe through His Word, maybe through another person who is speaking truth into your life, but that's not what you wanted to hear. Oftentimes, we want God to respond the way we would respond to ourselves, right? God, You get on the same page with me, but that's not what we hear. And the Lord says to Habakkuk, This wicked people is going to come in and they are going to cart you off from this land. Habakkuk responds beginning in verse 12 to the Lord's answer from his last series of questions. If you're taking notes this morning, write down this main idea. Our limited perspective may tempt us to question God's plan. But his timing is perfect, and his strength is sufficient. Notice with me, Habakkuk's first complaint, verses 12 through 13. Complaint to the Lord, you are not consistent. I want you to notice what Habakkuk does here, beginning in verse 12. Habakkuk is going to relate to the Lord in his response back to God's answer And he's going to say, God, here is your character, and it doesn't match what you're saying you're going to do. Notice verse 12. He says, are you not from everlasting? Oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them, that's the Chaldeans that he's mentioned back in verse 6, ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. So God has told Habakkuk, here's what I'm about to do, and Habakkuk says, God, I know you're the Holy One, I know you're from everlasting, and I know that this is what you say that you are going to do. Verse 13, you who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, here's the question, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Habakkuk just said, God, here is your character, and I believe it, I trust it, but your character and what you're about to do don't seem to add up. Here's his argument. I mean, I know that we as a nation aren't living up to the standard that you've set before us. We are not walking in obedience, but we are not as bad as them. You ever had a conversation with your child and ask them what they did and their answer is not what they did but what someone else did? Deflecting on to someone else. I mean, I may not have done the right thing, but it wasn't as bad as them, whoever them is. For Habakkuk in this moment, Habakkuk is looking at the Chaldeans, and he's going to give us a little more detail in that in just a bit, but he's saying to the Lord, God, your character is this, and you can't look at evil, and you're holy, and yet what you're saying is, you're going to allow this pagan people to come in and to take over and to defeat your people. They're worse than we are. How does that square with who you are? I don't understand. It doesn't add up. We may look at this in our own minds and wonder at times why it appears as we look out around us or maybe look even in our own lives and see that God is using unrighteous people oftentimes to accomplish His will. Or maybe we look around and we say, God, how in the world could you bless someone like that more than you would bless someone like me? I mean, I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as them. And yet it appears that you are blessing them more than you are blessing me. Or you are allowing them to flourish without judging them. And yet I see in my own life that I'm not really flourishing the way that I think I should be. So God, if your character is this, and yet my experience is this, How do those two add up? That's Habakkuk's question, his complaint, verses 12 and 13. He's going to escalate it, verses 14 and 15, by emphasizing just how powerful the Chaldeans were. Notice in verse 14, he says, You make mankind like the fish of the sea like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. See, Habakkuk had heard about the Chaldeans and their success, militarily speaking, as they were going in and taking over nation after nation after nation. And he describes it in this type of language. He says, those who they are going in to take over are nothing more than fish in the sea or crawling things on the bottom of the ocean. Where the Chaldeans, all they have to do is put the hook in the water or cast They're net out. And there's no hope for those people. That is just how powerful that they are. Now here's the problem for Habakkuk. His question of the Lord is if that is how powerful they are, are you capable of preserving your people which is what you've promised to do. See, God's promise to His people from the very beginning, from Abraham onward, is that there would always, always be a remnant of righteous people that God would preserve throughout the centuries. And we've seen that take place. And yet in this moment, Habakkuk is looking at The enemy who is coming in that God has appointed to bring discipline and judgment on his own people. And God, are you capable of preserving your remnant with this powerful group of people? God, can you handle it? Or God, is your promise going to be broken? I can imagine Habakkuk in this moment and the angst that he must be feeling. Put it into perspective. Habakkuk has spent years serving the Lord and warning the people along with other prophets, serve the Lord or you're going to experience God's discipline. And Habakkuk's been crying out saying, Follow the Lord, walk in obedience to Him, serve Him. And the people have turned a blind eye and a deaf ear to that, and Habakkuk's looking and wondering, "Man, is my entire life spent? crying out to these people, encouraging them to trust in the Lord, to follow the Lord. Is my life wasted because God, you're going to send the Chaldeans in and they're just going to wipe us out. And that goes back to the question of is God going to keep His promises? He continues on. Not only does he say that God's not consistent. Not only does He say that God's possibly not capable of preserving His people, but He also says in verse 16 and 17, God, it doesn't appear that you're concerned. Verse 16, describing the people again, Therefore, He sacrifices to His net and makes offerings to His dragnet, For by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? In this moment, Habakkuk, in questioning the Lord, in lodging complaints with the Lord, says, are you even concerned? Like, God, don't you realize, as if God doesn't already know, I love that, you ever told something to the Lord that he already knew, but you, you just needed him to know again, right? That's what Habakkuk's doing here. He's saying to the Lord, don't you know how pagan this people is? That they are worshiping false gods. That they place their faith in their military power. He describes it in such a way, he says, that they make sacrifices to their nets. They make offerings to their drag nets. They are worshiping in such a way that they are saying, our military power, our own strength is what is God. And Habakkuk steps back and he says, God, like, do you see that? Like, do you see that they are essentially worshiping themselves? And the gods that they are worshiping are gods of war that have supposedly given them power to go in and to conquer all these other nations? God, how could you, who are a jealous God, who are deserving of worship of all peoples, how could you allow us... Who at least sometimes worship you, at least there's a remnant that's worshiping you. How could you allow us to be taken over by a group of people who are essentially worshiping themselves? Are you going to allow them to keep on emptying their nets? And mercilessly killing nations forever. God, is that what you're going to do? Habakkuk in verse 1 of chapter 2 says, I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer. Concerning my complaint. I want you to notice something that I've seen happen countless times. When people look and begin to ask the same questions that Habakkuk asks, when the answers don't seem to be the answers that you want to receive, oftentimes in that moment, What Habakkuk does in verse 1 is not what we do. Oftentimes in those moments, what we do is say, if that's how it's going to be, God, I don't want anything to do with it. And turn and walk away from the Lord. I want you to notice that that's not what Habakkuk does. Habakkuk says, I will take my stand at my watch post. God, I don't understand it. I don't like it. It doesn't seem to add up based on who I know that you are, what you're allowing to take place. But God, I'm not just going to throw my hands up. I'm not just going to walk away from you. I'm not just going to toss in the towel. In fact, no, God, I want to know what your response is. God, I want to hear from you. I'm going to take my stand on the watch post. I'm going to stand and wait for you to respond. That is powerful. Because we find ourselves at moments in our lives when the clouds are dark and the circumstances are stacking up and we can't see God's hand at work And we wonder whether he's listening or not. And we question his goodness and his justice. And we question how in the world he could allow that situation to transpire that way. And if we're not careful, we'll walk away and say, I'm done. And that may be where you are this morning. Where it's all stacking up and you're thinking, I may just toss in the towel today. And I want to encourage you to take note of Habakkuk's response, where he says, I'm going nowhere. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to listen to what he says. So let's look at the Lord's response, beginning in verse 2. You notice in verses 2 and 3, God's response to Habakkuk is essentially My timing is perfect. Notice, the Lord answered to me. Here's God's response. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets, so He may run who reads it. God's response is not, man, Habakkuk, you really raised some things I hadn't thought about. Now that you say that, maybe I won't do it. No, his response is, Habakkuk, write it down. Don't conceal it, but write it down. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. At least give people an opportunity, if they do want to take heed and listen to it, at least it's clear so that they can hear it. As a priest of the Lord, as a prophet, the temptation for Habakkuk could have been to try to sanitize God's response, to try to sanitize what God is saying. Let me just say this to you. Oftentimes, if we are not careful in the church, we may be tempted instead of proclaiming the truth of who God is and what His Word says, to seek to sanitize it to a degree that it doesn't offend people. The Lord to Habakkuk says, don't do that. The people need to hear the truth of who I am and what I am doing. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still, the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. Listen to this. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not Not only is God's promise to Habakkuk that His judgment on His own people is going to happen, but I don't think that God's response here is limited just to this immediate circumstance. I think it's all-encompassing. I think in this moment, what God's people needed to hear was not only that judgment was coming because of their lack of obedience, their lack of faithfulness to the Lord, but also a reminder of who God is and His promises. So as Habakkuk is making it plain, as he is describing what's going to happen, he also interweaves within this book. Who God is and what God has promised. That God's promise is that He's not going to destroy His people. That God's promise is that there will be a remnant that is preserved. That God's promise to Habakkuk is that all of this is fitting within His perfect plan. Ultimately leading to Jesus Christ coming onto the scene. All of this is simply the beginning of the story. So notice in verses 4 and 5, God also responds, My strength is sufficient. He says in verse 4, Behold, his soul is puffed up. Describing the Chaldeans here, It is not upright within him, but... The righteous shall live by his faith. Now what's interesting is, isn't that a verse you've seen on coffee cups? It's a verse we like to quote. It's a verse we like to focus on. The righteous shall live by faith. And when it's written in scroll font on a coffee cup, it seems sweet, doesn't it? And yet, when you put it within the context of Habakkuk chapter 2, it's funny that we don't include verse 4, at least the first part of it. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but... The righteous shall live by his faith. So, what's God's response there to Habakkuk? He's looking at Habakkuk and saying, Listen, I know the Chaldeans. I know what they're all about. I know that their soul is puffed up within them. I know they are a proud people, they are a godless people. And I'm still sending them. So, what's the response? What do God's people do in that moment? That's where the second part comes in. The righteous shall live by his faith. Faith in what? Or faith in whom? It's not just faith in faith. It's not what God's saying to His people here. It's not just, hey, just believe it's all going to be okay. Just have faith. Ever had someone tell you that? Faith is only as good as the object our faith is in. Here's what the Lord is saying to Habakkuk in this moment those whose faith is in me will be able to endure because their trust is not in their circumstances. Their trust is in Me. So in our difficult circumstances, in our struggles as believers, our trust is not in our circumstances. Our trust is not in thinking things may work out if we believe hard enough. Our trust is in the reality that the God that we worship, the God who has saved us through His Son, Jesus Christ Holds the future in His hands. His plan is perfect. And even when the dark clouds are surrounding us. We can place our faith and trust in God. And His perfect plan for our lives. It doesn't take us out of the circumstances. But it gives us an anchor To cling to when the dark clouds roll. For Habakkuk in this moment. Habakkuk is hearing from the Lord. That God's plan is perfect. His timing is right on. And His strength is sufficient for His people. As they walk through his discipline, if they will cling to him, then they will experience the peace of God in the storm. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have once again to hear truth. Thank you for the opportunity once again. To wrestle with questions that many of us have asked before in our lives. Many of us may be asking even now. Where we can't see your hand at work. Where we're looking and not able to make things add up. And yet the reality for us... Is that your plan is being accomplished? Even in the difficulties, even in the struggles, even in the storms, that your timing is always perfect. And Father, when we're walking through those moments, that your strength is sufficient for us. That when you are the object of our faith, we have an anchor that holds in the storm. Father, I have no doubt this morning that there are those here who are walking through storms in their own lives. Walking through difficult circumstances, walking through... Problems in marriage, problems with kids, dreading gathering together with family at Thanksgiving. Wondering whether you are who you say you are, whether you're good, whether you're just. Wondering if they should just walk away. Father, would you help them see this morning who you are, what you're doing, that you can be trusted, even when life doesn't make sense. Father, for some this morning, they've never taken the step of trusting you as their Savior, and for them, faith in you is at the initial point of trusting what you've done for them through your Son, Jesus Christ. May today be the day of salvation for them. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.